0: Hello, everybody! It is the Fourth of July here in the United States, and uh, it's also a day that I've got to be at a wedding. So there's no new episode today, but I've got something very special for you. We just did the podcast interview with the one and only Andy Law, and you know what? We did a really good post Q and A after the stream, and I wanted to share it with you all. So today, you get to listen to the post-livestream Q&A session that we had with Andy Law just a couple weeks ago. So hopefully you enjoy. Happy 4th of July. If you're not in the U.S., happy day. It's, it's still a date, right? It's still a date. So I hope you have a happy 4th of July, no matter where you're at or no matter what your country is. So thank you so much, guys, for hanging out with us. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll see you down the road. For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. where that pregnant long pause is and then i do the finger cut where we where we where i do the scissor finger so we kind of know where things are that went by real quick it really did didn't it it did (laughs) maybe we'll have to have you come back and have a follow-up episode so we can fill i'd be happy to come back (laughs) um
1: i i I can talk for hours
0: (laughs) right maybe i I, if i would have thought about it's like make this a double episode and we'll call it a day but Anyhow, we'll get to some of the QA's in here. Guys, if you have questions, go ahead and throw them in the chat. I'll give you a few minutes. I also want to remind you all that tomorrow, here live on the stream on Twitch, we're going to be joined by Fight in the Box Games, Sepi Yoon and Mark. They've got their new game found. It's kind of like Kickstarter. Uh, their game found for their new tabletop board game which is called uh conquest princess we're gonna be demoing it here they're gonna come on and demo it with us and one of our mods is also gonna be joining us so please make sure to join us tomorrow for that and then I think Wednesday we're doing heroes of barcadia or legends of barcadia which uh Ed Greenwood highly recommended this weekend when he was on with us and uh he was like that's a great game I play tested it you totally gotta play it. it's like okay I'm playing it so Go ahead and uh, make sure to join us from that. For everybody, thank you Lore Masters of Sotek for the raid. Thank you for everybody that came in on that raid. I appreciate you all coming in here and hanging out with me and Andy. And uh, sorry, I didn't respond immediately uh, because of the nature of the live stream and the nature of the podcast, I should say. Um, We don't necessarily respond immediately to all of the things because we are recording a live podcast. But I do want to say thank you, Loremaster of Sotek, for joining us and bringing us your viewers. We very much appreciate it. Loremaster of
1: Sotek is the best.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, this
1: yeah. someone you know or uh, someone Oh, you yeah, I, I know Loremaster of Soap Tech very well. I, he uh, also does a show about Warhammer stuff. Oh, um, nice, nice, And nice. And I have been on his show. Uh, he is the best. Um, and that is all I'm going to say because I don't need to wax lyrical about how awesome his show is. So for everybody that's here that isn't from that raid,
0: I'm going to do another do another little shout out here. Loremaster of Soap Tech. There we go. For those of you that did come along when the rain don't already follow, go ahead and give a follow. Much appreciated. <laughs> I'm going to go over and pull up my uh I've got a little secret channel in my Discord where my moderators separate all of my questions for me. So well, I don't have to cycle through all of the all of the How frightfully organized. I know, I know. <laughs> Somebody says, "Andy's Patreon has a big tutorial for drafting one owns original maps. Does he offer a
1: city yes. one as well?" Okay, so I'll quickly discuss what we have up there. So this is on Rookery Publications. On the Rookery Publications side, we have a host of tutorials um, up there called Masterclasses. And they're not just about maps, but most of them are about maps because I've been doing lots of mapping ones. And therefore, our Brazen Rooks. Um, so all the videos are there for those who paid like $5 a month or whatever it's And uh, the tutorials are designed for everybody we're not looking at pitching them towards artists who want and already know how to draw. Um, This is very much pitched to people who want to do their own maps at home, and how can I do it and make it look like a professional map? And I have done step-by-step processes for most basic stuff, and that does include, was it a city that was asked for? That not only includes a city, but, this is another odd and unexpected twist, um i'm actually building a city online it's gone on pause when we started lawhammer because oh my god that took a lot of headspace um but we're building uh, an entire city in the warhammer world called Calligan and that's yeah. up to i think 15 streams so far um and that's 15 episodes ranging from about three hours to seven hours because When I start mapping, I tend to not stop. Um, And you get to see the entire process I use, but that's actually based on a single tutorial that I did over in Rookery Publications, where I went step-by-step through all the basics for building your own city. And the 15 or so streams that are up there are just putting that process into practice. Nice. Um, So you can, uh, if you wish to watch that yourself, go have a quick sub over on um, uh, the Rookery Publications side All the videos are up there. Um, And if you want to see it all getting put into practice, pop over to Lohammer and just see that city slowly but surely build.
0: Nice. What are your thoughts on the, you know, there's all kinds of new digital, some of them aren't super new, but the like the digital map making stuff, the things like Dungeon Alchemist and all that. Yeah, I
1: love it. Um, I love it. Anything that makes uh, creating content for your games accessible and fast is, as far as I'm concerned, a good thing. We're here to have fun, to play games that we love. We're not here to gatekeep and try and stop people from accessing the material they love. And if you're building up your own game world, any tool that helps you do that is, assuming that it's not um, ruining someone else's life or impinging upon their particular copyrights, um, is a very, very good thing. Um, And I not only strongly support them, I, I strongly support you support them also. Get out there, use whatever tools work best for your game and uh build awesome cool worlds for example i work quite a lot with um the peeps over at world anvil who you may or may not have heard of world anvil is basically a gigantic online wiki database for your games mm-hmm. and, and use it for your world building and world anvil is a freaking awesome tool um and i'm not just saying that because i know the people behind uh that that work on it but i kind of am because they're awesome um <laughs> <laughs> But uh, World Anvil is a marvelous tool and they uh, help on the world building side. And you can just add your mapping um, software on top of that. And suddenly everything just opens up. You can create stuff that looks effectively professional um, in a very short period of time. And that, as far as I'm concerned, is a good thing. Do you use primarily like digital art for your
0: for your stuff or do you hand yeah. draw or a combination? Because uh, I, 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 I used to
1: hand draw. I used to hand draw everything. That was how I started out doing uh, me stuff. Um, the old tea bag to age your map type thing. Um, and I used to hand draw all my NPCs. Um, so I draw portraits of them all. And I used to hand draw all my handouts. Um, and then I got a computer with uh, a tablet. Um, for example, I've got my big, you might be able to see my big screen. Oh, yeah, 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 down yeah. there. Yeah, that's that's the screen that I draw on. Is um now? Your stream's completely ruined, as I. That's okay. Uh, lose my angle. Um, <laughs> I whoa, that's. Completely you, you always um, got to remember the sit back portion about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, woo, we, got now. we got it. We got it. We're there. <laughs> All right, we're fine. Um, so I. Uh, I draw everything digitally these days because I like Control Z slash Control Z, depending on which part of the world you come from. I like removing things super fast without having it indelibly based upon my paper. Um, I also like uplifting, copying, reusing layers. Layers are just brilliant. So I can have different layers of information in all of my images, and I can just use the layers that I want. On the simplest of examples for that, if you've got yourself a provincial map, a large area, a realm in your particular setting, and you might have all the towns on one layer, all the super special secret places on one layer, all of the villages on another layer, and you can very easily just go, I only want to show the towns, print, done, um, and that's so much easier to do it by hand, where you need a separate by hand map for each part that you're doing. Yeah, Screw that, I'm far too old, <laughs> I don't have that much time. Get out of it. I don't want to be doing all of that. Um, I want my life to be easy, not hard. So, yes, digital all the way for me these days. Nice. Although I do have one regret from that, Um, and that's that I no longer have originals. And originals were always nice because if you have an original, you can sell it if you wish to do so, for example. Um, And a, a nice example of that is if you go into any of the Lawhammer streams, you'll find sitting behind me there is a piece of art. And that's the art from the Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Starter Set cover, um, and I purchased that from the original artist because, well, I loved it, and, yeah. and we we put that entire project together, and it was nice to get the original art. And I kind of miss not being able to just have my own original art that yeah. can put. I mean, I can print it out and I can pop it on a canvas or do some equivalent, and it looks just as good. But it's still not the one that it's I not the original.
0: Dream.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just another copy that's been printed. But uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That 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 spawned my brain another question, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. See how quickly we were talking about the COVID earlier, and that's how that's how quickly it goes, guys. That's how quickly it goes. It really does. It
1: just vanishes on you, doesn't it?
0: This says, "Do you have this question?" Says, "Do you have any advice for aspiring fantasy cartographers?" That's pretty generic. So maybe just one or two things,
1: or something that you always say to people. Um, um, Okay, so I do have advice, and. My advice is get stuck in and don't worry if it looks good. Um, the vast majority of the best maps that people play with at home look like shit, but they create enormously memorable moments at the table because they're associated with whatever cool shit happened during your sessions. And people won't remember the map that sat on the table what they'll remember is what their characters were doing, what their characters were seeing, what their characters were feeling. And that doesn't require a pretty map. Indeed, a pretty map can sometimes get in the way because if it's a map that doesn't look like it's sunk into your setting already, because it's made very digitally, for example, and it looks like it's just a digital thing, it can actually take away from the tone and the feel of the world that you might be trying to present. So loosely, just get stuck in. Um, I obviously have a bunch of tutorials up on the law, on the Rookery side, which you can go have a look at if you fancy, but they are, these are not essential things. Um, this is obviously stupid for me, I'm meant to sell stuff, what I do, but seriously, don't worry about that shit, just get stuck in and make some cool shit. Um, I would always say uh, a hand drawn map at home is going to probably be better than something you've created in a piece of software. Uh, purely because it's going to have everything you want on it in your own style, in your own way, and people yeah. remember it not for the, what how it looks, but for all the awesome that it brought to their game.
0: On, on a polar opposite of exactly what you just said, do you, uh, <laughs> on, on any of your patrons or anything, do you just have like generic maps that don't belong to anything that people can get? That you've like, I, you're like, I just want to make a town. This is a cool little
1: fun town. I'm going to put, up a, put it up for people to use for their games I mean, or whatever if I was being sensible I would in that if I was chasing money or trying to uh tout that sort of thing that's what I do but I don't really um because I'm I'm I'd much rather just get the stuff up there and let everybody use it um as an example over in lawhammer every single map that I uh, have used in the streams I'm just popping them up there and people can download them Um, and that's not costing money and here's a bunch of generic stuff that's just this is the ones i use. go use it if you want to use it yourself having said that though um for our patrons because some of them uh, will come in and they'll say oh andy can we have this on it or that in it um and i've done a bunch of patron extras for example and i've taken off anything that might make a warhammer and it's uh here's a bunch of sewer tiles so here's a bunch of sewer tiles away you go use them if you want but they're just cut Cut up and carved out pieces of the map that I gave to everybody. Anyway, yeah, I mean, people could do that themselves if they wanted to. Yeah. But, uh, so it's not like I'm providing something that they couldn't access easily themselves if they wanted to. But I'm still doing it because I, I use them myself. Indeed, it's those yeah. sewer tiles that I'm turning into a board game um, for uh, our stream because I can. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> I'm quite looking forward to that one. It's uh, <laughs> I don't, for anyone out there who knows their games workshop lore. There's a game called a uh, Space Hulk. It's a pretty famous game. Um, a lot of computer games have been uh built for Space Hulk with uh, Space Marine Terminators one around, killing Xenos, gene stealers. Um it's very much an alien versus uh, Marines type game. Um and I'm doing a Warhammer equivalent for our stream game, um, which is down in sewers chasing after rat men and mutants and such like with a bunch of sewer uh jack, sewer so nice. jacks and rat catchers and which is cause I can, because who wouldn't want to play that? So right. it's
0: great fun. Right.
1: Yeah, it's Actually, I should remember
0: yeah. the uh, the the aliens versus marines. There was a card game back in like the late '90s. There was a card game, and I thought like, this is a lot of fun. I'd play the heck out of that with everybody. Yeah, 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 quite. Yeah, totally agreed. Do you have a favorite system or systems to play in for RPGs? Right. So I'm
1: somewhat. I mean, I do. But it's not because the systems are necessarily better, because I don't really think any of them are. Um, It's because of nostalgia and the memories that I have attached to certain games that I have played, which means that certain games to me are super, super fun. So for example, I have been playing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay since the 80s. Uh, So that inevitably is going to be super fun for me no matter how it's presented. Um, so it's a favorite. I have been playing, say, the World of Darkness games, uh, from White Wolf, um, since pretty much the eighties. <laughs> and, uh, they are also, for me, games that are super, super fun with a completely different style of system. Yeah. But, but for me, it's much less the system and more the people around the table and the stories that we're telling. And almost any game can do that. Um, Are there really clever systems that, in many respects, the systems themselves are what you're playing? Yes. Um, But I tend to go for big sweeping campaigns. And ultimately, all you really require for that is a system that can handle long-term play. And truth be told, most cannot. Most of them begin to break after the first year or two worth of playing. As the game either spirals out of control in power level, just because of the way the experience points are layered, and layered and layered and layered and your characters become mini gods. Um, or alternatively, the system just caps out. You've, you've just reached the top of what that system allows and your characters aren't really getting better or they're all so powerful that any NPC we meet looks pretty weak. Um, one of the core design goals of Wire of Fantasy will play four actually was to ensure that there was no clear top, uh, top cap that you could play a massive, five-year real-time campaign and still have spaces to go within the clear system that was offered yeah and it does that but um if i was to be concise rather than rambling as i normally am (laughs) that's all right say yeah I, i don't have a favorite system um i advocate playing as many systems as you can finding the ones you enjoy and just sticking with those um but i do recommend trying out lots of other things i'm a i'm a game hacker i will hack rules and turn them into something new, as I mentioned during the earlier component. I'll, I'll gut the rules and turn them into something completely different according to the needs of the campaign at hand. If you're playing yourself a really dark, grim and gritty campaign, you'll want to have a very different style of rule set to a high fantasy jumping onto airships and swinging across and... Uh, you know, doing crazy piratey shit in the air. That needs a different system to something that's grim and gritty. Yeah. Um, and sometimes co- specific core systems built around those gameplay loops is what you require. And no system is going to provide everything you want for your own personal campaign. So go read, go play, go gut.
0: <laughs> I, I know that's one of the things I'm kind of notorious for. It's like, we'll be playing a system like a Pathfinder or D&D, and I'm like there's something I want to do a way I want to tell this next leg of the story and there's no rules for it. So I'm just going to make something up (laughs) or I'm just Uh, going to, I'm going to take this thing from, I'm going to take this little piece from Deadlands and I'm going to import it into call of Cthulhu and it'll work out just great. And it's like, well, they don't go together, but
1: you you know, you make it work for the story you want to tell. Yeah. And I can't recommend that enough. Um, It's the, It's an odd thing from a game design perspective, um, but sometimes you have to be very clear and provide GMs with permission to do that, because the older hands, they kind of do it without really thinking, because they automatically go, no, I know better, ha, I could do this better than the silly games designers, and often they can. Um, But uh, for newer players, or people who are coming to the systems for the first time, that, that in many respects is anathema to them. They're like, no, if I'm playing this game, I want to play that game. So I, I won't be taking anything else or do anything else with it, uh, which is why for Warhammer, for example, it was very much hard coded directly into the text. Do it. Do it. Um, <laughs> to quote the emperor. Do it. Do um, it. <laughs> yeah, quite. And uh, yeah, that's very much my ethos. I I, I create many games throughout all of my campaigns to represent little game loops that are possibly going to be repeated. And be useful that are quite outside the standard rules if they are presented. I'll give an example of that so it doesn't just sound like I'm blowing hot air. <laughs> one thing that one thing that most role playing games miss is very clean, clear, and impactful war rules. So what happens when a war erupts? How do your characters interact with yeah. that? Do your characters actually go and do a war game, for example? Or are they going to be sitting on the periphery and not getting involved with that big, giant battle? Because that's hard. And actually trying to figure out how to storytell that is really difficult. Um, And often they fall back into a couple of very loose, generic, oh, do a random rule. They've survived that day, yeah. Uh, And they don't really cover it well, where I tend to jump in and go, well, I'll just build my own war game. And that war game can be played. Characters can be particular tokens within that. Um, and other characters can work within. that, we can do that and have our role-playing game going along beside that. Um, And that gives a completely different um, tone and allows you to not get bored. Now, that might sound silly, but if you're playing, say, uh, my last Vampire Chronicle lasted 10 years real-time. That is a long time. I'm playing the same system with the same characters, um, effectively circling around the same stories, can easily become boring, even if it's the most epic, most awesome campaign that has ever campaigned. Right. Um, so allowing uh, breaths to lie between all of that action where everyone can sit back and go, cool oh. now often other people will go, well, I'll just play another game for a bit and then I'll go and play another one. I'll come back to this campaign. I don't do that. I provide other games within the game. Um, so they're still engaged, but engaged in a completely new and interesting way. That means when they get back to the core game again, they're completely reinfused and quite keen to get stuck in. Yeah. That's
0: next question: Where are we? Do you think the passing on art school was a net help or a net hindrance for
1: you? I could argue both with equal aplomb. Um, passing meant that I had a host of opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise because I was working full time which gave me a work ethic, which I required because of the way my mind works, which allowed me to work to deadlines far more tightly. I would almost certainly, if I'd gone into art school, one of the things my mother was most afraid of with art school was uh, that I would end up picking up styles because I'm quite imitative. Um, And I would end up going, this is the right way to do a particular thing, because that's what I've been taught. and. Instead, i was just creating whatever shit I wanted at home and just kept on working on it, it was good enough for me. And I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I tend to be slightly better than was required. Um, So I could argue that art school would have given me a host of extra skills that may have been useful and was certainly opened up a host of doors that would otherwise have been closed. But I was directly into work and then directly into freelancing and getting paid for it. So, you know, you can argue either side um, with equal ease. Um, I was speaking to on one of our streams, uh, Jared Blando. Um, He's a cartographer who has worked on a lot of super awesome stuff. Um, And Jared had done art school. And we were chatting after the stream about our different routes and how we got to different places. And largely we both concluded that either way was just as good for different reasons. Yeah. So I don't regret it in the slightest.
0: Fair enough. Do you yeah. uh this is an ultimate question? I didn't ask it during the stream. I usually it's usually yeah. something I always ask everybody that is in the role-playing world. Do you prefer to be a game master or a yes. player? Yeah, no. You're a game
1: master? Hands down. <laughs> yeah, I'm a game master. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't even time. need to finish the question. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't even need to finish the question. Uh, that that's an easy one for me. I am constantly building, making, building, making, building, making, building, making. Um I IGM, I'm a forever GM. I find playing quite frustrating sometimes because I have to play within someone else's sandbox. And the limitations that are imposed upon me by that sandbox I can find very difficult. Yeah. Um, I don't make a particularly good player. Um, I can be a good player, but then it's almost a performance rather than me enjoying the game. If that makes sense yeah yeah um uh and i can do that very well i've played in lots of games um but i often find it a performative frustrating experience that i'm doing to be involved with it necessarily because i particularly enjoy it um where uh, the gming even when it's going poorly i still really enjoy it for example for some of the uh low hammer streams i've been really ill um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ill right this very moment I've got an infection among antibiotics Yay, good times um, And well, we've had seven episodes And of those seven, four of them I was really ill. And I was not playing at my best Nevertheless, thoroughly enjoyed myself Lots of stupid accents Lots of daft stories going bish bash <laughs> Boom um, And that's fun in, in many respects, it's my stress relief Um, it's it's where I go to uh, get away from all the other pressures that may be piling up like for example my ceiling up there we had a massive flood and that ceiling's gonna be coming down in a couple of weeks with uh, an insurance claim that's a bit stressful but turning my living room into a streaming room that's not stressful at all it's just super (laughs) expensive (laughs) just super expensive if anyone out there is considering doing um uh an actual play and doing it um in their living room oh i know a lot about doing that and holy shit have i spent a lot of money on it yeah you gotta set Um, up all set up the cameras
0: make sure they're all working and routed right and i'll set up on the stream and the microphones, and they're all every individual microphone is balanced yeah no, i i get you that's why we do it online
1: (laughs) we 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 screwed it up again and again and again, but we've had fun. For example, we were, uh, what, by by episode four, we were desperately trying to track down some echoes because there was some echoing going on Then The mics that we had at the beginning were not the best mics, but they shouldn't have been echoing as much as they were echoing. And I couldn't figure it out until one day when I was pulling it all apart, put it back together again, the big soundboard that we have was set to echo. <laughs> 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 No, this is oh, no. just a button there you go <laughs> so i press that button and all the echoes went away. <laughs> it's really funny because we we're looking at the comments online and going yeah i agree because some of them are saying you know i'm loving the content you're clearly having the time of your life the sound could do with a little bit of an upgrade definitely an echo perhaps you need more sound dampening perhaps you need some other things in there to stop it and we're like we've done all of that where is this echo coming from it's coming from the sound processor, you idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when I first yeah, started the learned... show, that was an issue. Was echoes. like, where is this? And only I heard. everybody else is like, I don't hear an echo, and I'm like, I hear it. I because you yeah. know I did some sound engineering before, so like I hear the stuff, and I'm like, I can hear it. Where is it coming from? And then I have like, to partic- fix it in post. And
1: yeah, I'm particularly sensitive to sound issues, um, just because I am, and when i was setting up the sound to begin with i got it fine-tuned to perfection utterly loved it when we did our first stream and the sound was rubbish it was the most frustrating day (laughs) of my life um particularly because uh for our first two streams the post-production was absolutely terrible didn't even bother with it for like the first i don't know six or seven something like that um and i get a bit enthusiastic when i play sometimes i get a bit shouty and for those people who were sadly wearing headphones, that can be a little bit. Ah, He's <laughs> <getting> me. But <laughs> good times. That's hopefully not an issue anymore. New yeah. mics, new sound setup. Yeah. We well, and on top of life. that, like you could—that's
0: you know—you just comp- use the compressor and the post, and you know, that's that's the bonus to
1: doing yeah. it pre-recorded instead of live. You can balance it's all. Instead of live, yeah, yeah. And uh, a good chunk of that, I just didn't know. Um, I just didn't know. I knew what I liked. I just didn't know how to achieve what I liked. Yeah. So there's been quite a quite a steep learning process for me. And I'm quite happy to learn it with everybody online as we go. Because, yeah. you know, it's part of the fun of it, isn't it? Well, yeah. Um, and if it, enjoy- and if other people that are listening are enjoying the thing. And
0: they're like, they're having fun trying to help you out. Because yeah. they get to help. They're like, I get to help Andy with yeah. this thing. I get to, you know, that's special for them.
1: It, it is. And it's particularly special as well for, I, not, not to sound like, you know, I designed the game. So ha 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 you get to play with the person saying, yeah, now, fuck that. Um, They were just helping somebody out online um, that they may have enjoyed the content of in the past, but they could actually literally help. We had an actual sound engineer get uh, pinged over in Discord and said, you need to do this here, this here, this here, this here, this here. The best piece of information that I'd received that day by some significant measure. So I was like, oh, so that's how OBS does that better. That's how the soundboard is really easy. But I just didn't know it. Yeah. So yeah. So that has been a, a fun part of the whole process for me at least. Um and some other people out there are enjoying it as well, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they gotta
0: be. They wouldn't you wouldn't still be doing it if 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 not, right? Yeah, yeah, quite. Um yeah, it's been fun. Uh this question is that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh it's to, it's to both of us. What would be your favorite DC mm-hmm. comic book and movie when you were growing up? DC, I guess. I mean, we could probably branch it out to be you know just comic okay. book in general. So, but.
1: when I was growing up, um, for DC, it would have been um, first uh, reissue of Batman. Um, so Michael Keaton, um, because it, <laughs> I come from a tiny town at the north of Scotland. I do mean it's a tiny little place, it's an interesting place because it had an American base right beside it, um, for watching Russians back in the Cold War. And so I grew up surrounded by Americans. It has a nuclear power station up there as well. So I grew up surrounded by nuclear physicists. Some of the brightest and best that the country had to offer were in our school. Um, uh, so I was surrounded by quite an odd grouping of people because um, there was also the farmers and the fishermen and the very we don't need school types um, right. that came from being up there. Uh, but it was in the middle of nowhere. But it did have some amenities that you wouldn't normally get in the middle of nowhere because the American base had a bowling alley. Um, and they allowed people to come out and play pools and that was great. Um, something that in the north of Scotland, you would not have had. Um, and just before Batman came out, uh, the town hall got converted into a cinema just for Batman. And it was somewhat of a seminal moment for me <laughs> to actually go to a, a, a cinema, because I would have to have travelled like 150 miles wow. um, to see a cinema where I grew up. Uh, north, very Go any further north in Scotland and you're swimming where i used to live, okay and you're just you're swimming up to the north pole (laughs) (laughs) yay um so batman blew my mind um which is why to pick a dc one it's the clear and obvious one superman i'd already watched multiple times and it was multiple movies in and it was a part of the fabric of my childhood discourse so it wasn't really special um it was just a part of what already existed Batman was new and so very different to the to the quite ridiculously campy Batman that I had pretty much cut my teeth on as a kid. Yeah. So seeing that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and seeing this uh, grim, dark, gothic Batman up there, um, Michael Keaton chewing the scenery in the best way, and Jack (laughs) Nicholson doing exactly the same, Jack Nicholson on the other side, it was it was brilliant. So Batman would be my choice, I think.
0: Yeah. I'm going to agree with you on, on that. And and I mean, Superman was really important to me as well. Just like you had mentioned, it was, it was a staple. Like I, my, yeah. my favorite and earliest memory of the reason Hall- Halloween is like my favorite holiday over here in the States is because as a child in the heat of Superman, I got to dress up as Superman and I can still, if I close my eyes and I picture it, I can still feel that feeling I had when I was like six or five or however yeah. old I was. I can feel that special feeling anytime. I just have to close my eyes and I can feel it. And so both of those mm-hmm. movies are also super, super important to me.
1: This on question the, on, the Hall- on the Halloween thing, just as a small aside, Halloween's a big thing up in Scotland, but in a very different way. Um, uh, we, we have guising, which is the equivalent of trick or treating, um, where when you're guising, you're going around the houses and you are, you say trick or treat, but you don't really trick or treat. You have to, like, do a piece, do a sing, a song, or do some equivalent, okay. and then you get your stuff. Um, when I was a kid, it wasn't pumpkins. Pumpkins is an import from America, obviously. When I was a kid, it was turnips. Turnips, yeah. Um, yeah. And trust me, making a freaking turnip lantern is really hard, because those are some freaking tough vegetables to carve. <laughs> <laughs> turnip, super easy. Pardon me, pumpkin pumpkins. super easy. Turnip was nightmare but we would have our little turnip lanterns and we go out guising from house to, house to house to house um guiding coming from the same route as disguising so you um disguise yourself up and uh awesome. yeah we dress up as all sorts of stuff too um it was really funny because uh in scotland in the uk in general as well i suppose trick-or-treating and its equivalent was and halloween was its own very unique thing but through the course of the 90s started to become much more americanized And i would say that nowadays it's very american in terms of what it used to be imports yeah this next
0: question says what is your favorite character or character type that you like to play for you i guess it would be when you role play what is what is a character or character type you like
1: yeah okay so um hmm that's actually telling. right there's one thing that i particularly like about um role playing that's not it's not discussed a lot, but it's often discussed on the periphery. And that's that when you're role playing, you can inhabit minds that are so very different to your own. And that can be uh, quite the experience if you can sink yourself into that different mind. Um, if you're thinking yourself into a villain or into someone who's a different gender to yourself or to, to someone who has a very different background to you, whether that's social class or whether it's because they've suffered in a way that you haven't suffered. Um, whether they've had to go through experiences that you've never had to experience. And it provides um, you with, I would say, a depth of experience that you never would get through real life. Um, so if I have to pick out a favourite from all that, it would be the thing that I've never really done before, yeah. the thing that's quite distant from who I am. Um, I'm a relatively obvious white, middle-aged guy, um, but being able to play all of these other characters as well um, provides me with what I would hope to be, a, a, obviously it's nothing, to do, nothing like experiencing someone else's life but it at least gives you some empathy to the difficulties and the benefits, the privileges, the downsides of other types of people and I find that a constantly fascinating and evolving part of role play, it's particularly the case for say um live role-playing which is a far more immediate style of role-play which requires a host of rules to ensure you don't get too lost in your character sometimes yeah um but one of the most um uh effective role-plays I saw with um, role-playing was over in Scandinavia um with live role-play and it was where everyone was playing um AIDS uh it was a grim grim role-playing game but everyone was playing characters who caught AIDS during the course of the AIDS pandemic in the 80s and it was an exploration into the lives and experiences of the people that were involved with that. And it was deeply harrowing and extraordinary, And particularly because they had people who had lived through that as well, taking part in it and also explaining what it was like. An educational experience, as well as an entertain- entertaining wow. experience, um, and also a deeply affecting experience. It required quite a lot of workshops around it to ensure that you you didn't get too lost in it or you weren't too badly affected by it um it was it was extraordinary um and role-playing in general for me um opens up all of those avenues as well as just being a bloody good laugh um i as a gm uh I, i was asked just to finish off on this point i was asked um just before we started doing lawhammer what sort of characters would we have um and i said the entire rainbow of experience because that's what life is like so there's going to be characters who are of all types who some of whom are going to be the worst villains some of whom are going to be so far unlike me um that it's uh, that there is no real comparison but that's because that's what life is like and we're going to be playing a pretty big epic campaign so we're going to have all different sorts of characters there and that was for some people in and of itself a, a somewhat weird It was quite interesting seeing some of the conversations that popped up. They're like, so you're going to be playing, I mean, the obvious ones, you're going to be playing women. Well, of course, you're going to be playing women. Um, But there's going to be gay relationships. There's going to be um, uh, not just simple monogamous relationships, polygamous ones. We're going to be playing different species. And all those different species are not just going to be humans with, humans with. You know, I've got humans with pointy ears. I've got humans, but I live underground. My games, the uh, other species are completely alien as much as I can possibly make them to try and make them not just humans, to try and create a different playing experience and a different style of character. Because that, for me, is one of the things that role-playing games can do so, so very well. Um, And it allows you to explore a host of situations beyond your own personal experience. And obviously, as I say, as a caveat, it's nothing like loving through those things, but it does give you, hopefully, an insight into different walks of life and how your own personal prejudices can sometimes blind you to a whole host of things that lay in front of you.
0: That's a great, great stuff to, person to ask the question. That is an amazing question. They love the answer to this question. Yeah, that's a great answer, and it's really in-depth. All right, last question. Are you ready? Oh, I'm always ready. All right. So there are lots of role-playing systems out there, lots of worlds, yep. whether we're talking... Star Wars, Deadlands, Mutants of Masterminds, D&D, Pathfinder, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, all of Cthulhu, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. all or just, you know, if they're Indiana Jones or, you know, movie types that are made into role-playing systems. Is there Mm a role-playing system or a kind of a world that could have a role-playing system that you wish you could
1: work on? The answer is yes, for those of you who are just listening. I'm currently lifting up my hoodie. Um, I'm wearing an N7 hoodie. Uh, from the game Mass Effect uh, uh, from EA Bioware. Um, I love Mass Effect. I think it's an absolutely marvellous game. It has its flaws. I hate its end. I am not the sort of person who will not critique something that they love. I'm happy to critique while simultaneously deeply enjoying the media that's offered. Um, I think Mass Effect has got an enormous uh, depth of, source material for a really good role-playing game and obviously it's designed as a role-playing game I'm sure it's clearly riffing off just about every sci-fi game that's ever, or setting that's ever been written and uh, for those of you that don't know the game it, it was kind of originally oh we don't have the Star Wars license anymore right so let's make our own version of it then yeah um in the same way that Dragon Age is oh we're not doing d d we're doing our own version um from Bioware and we're Dragon Age does have an RPG. Um, Mass Effect most definitely doesn't. Um, I helped on bits of Dragon Age. Um, I, I was originally going to be writing on that game, but uh, sadly, my house got flooded on the uh, weeks they were doing the commissioning for the writing. So I was like, oh, well, house flooded. Sorry, I won't be doing that when Chris over at Green Marine. Sorry, dude. <laughs> um, i would been sent over all the material for it as well, and I had all of the design documents for Dragon Age in front of me that came directly from Bioware um and it was amazing I was like I am so freaking sold on this shit right I'm gonna right. write something awesome but sadly didn't um so for me Mass Effect I I've already built my own board game towards that at one point um there's been a few fan creations for Mass Effect but none of them did what I was hoping for um it would require its own unique system something that very much uh speaks to the core conflicts of what Mass Effect represents and I think would be one of the funnest um projects to work on. I'd really enjoy that. I adore the setting, flaws and all, warts and all. Would be happy to dive into that one. Um, beyond that, the answer is probably no. Um, I, have re- I have read, I have read, I engaged with pretty much every gaming, um, sci-fi, fantasy, adventure, horror, platforms, media, whatever that there is. I'm a, a consummate consumer of um, material. Uh, I, I read a game I watch and don't stop. I just keep on going. And all of them at various points go, yeah, that'd be a fun game. But none of them have made me go, I need this in the same way that I did for Mass Effect, to the point that um, when I found out that they couldn't get the RPG, so that was going to mean at that particular time, yeah, and the reasons behind it, I was gutted. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Actually gutted. I was like, oh.
0: I was going um, to say, somebody clip this and send it to him. It can be the elevator pitch right there for them. And uh, yeah, cool.
1: quite. I, I, it's a game that I would most certainly say you're doing that. Whoever's doing it, I'll help. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll just sit in the edge and do something. Shit, I literally don't care. I'd be happy just proofreading it. Yeah. Um, just because uh, I, I would play it regardless. Um, admittedly, though, I, I, I very much would have my own preference and taste for how it's presented. For example, the Star Wars game. Um, when it came, the recent one, so the various versions of it from FFG. Yeah, I, um, I, I
0: think Saga is the most recent, yeah, yeah. maybe there's one after that, I
1: don't remember. Oh, the, 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 the one just before that. Um, the I uh, I engaged with it and I played it, but I didn't really like it. Um, and of course, I wrote my own crawls and I had them pop up on screen before we did our sessions, because that's what you do with Star yeah. Wars. I, I started at episode nine. Um I because you obviously don't start at the beginning for Star Wars. Right. Um and we were gonna do like eight sessions and then go back to episode one, do another eight sessions, and then go all the way up to um <laughs> episode <laughs> seventeen for another eight sessions. Um, because if you're gonna do it Star Wars, you've got a Star Wars, don't you? Um and I found that the system felt like something that had been created and then added to Star Wars rather than something that was created for Star Wars. Yeah. That yeah sense. that's what it felt like yeah, yeah and, and i get it but it isn't the system that i hoped it would be right um and in the same way that uh, i almost certainly would play something that someone else made for mass effect but within about four weeks of that i gut got it because <laughs> <laughs> i'm me because that's what it's all about <laughs> yeah that's what it's all about You gm and gut it so that it matches your own taste and the taste of your players at the table i love it hey
0: andy thank you so much for joining us tonight i appreciate it we'll have to have you back anytime for for something whether it's another podcast episode i do a game sure. masters workshop where we help people learn how to role play uh i'd love to have you on on any of those so thank you so much for joining us tonight and i appreciate anytime it. well there you are i hope you enjoyed yourselves and i do hope that you come back and join us again for epic realms